1: This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com.
0: Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. The tune that you just heard sounds very familiar to you, and it should because there's, there's two different podcasts here on Sports History Network that use that. The tune is originally by the great musician Bruce Smith, who is also the host of the Dayton Triangles podcast. You're going to hear more from him in a moment. It's also from our audio drama called Orville Mulligan sports writer. We had purchased the rights to use that from uh, Bruce, and we are grateful that he we did because it is such a beautiful tune and takes us back to the 1920s with that little jazz rag that he do, calls it. My fellow co-producer of Orville Mulligan, Oz Davis and I, we call it the Dayton Rag Tune, and it takes you back to that 1924 era that we're going to be discussing today because we are going to team up as one in the Sports History Network, using four or five different of our podcasts, the Dayton Triangles podcast, When Football Was Football with Joe Ziemba, which is the Chicago Cardinals history, uh, Pigskin Dispatch, Orville Mulligan, and yes, the football history dude. And we're going to tell you a little tale about a game that was actually played November 9th, 1924. Between the Dayton Triangles of the NFL, who traveled to play another NFL team, the Chicago Cardinals. There was nothing spectacular or memorable about this game, but it was a game that was played almost a hundred years ago. And at Sports History Network, we want to showcase off some of our talent that we have here. You know, we have one of the foremost historians on National Football League in, of the Dayton Triangles, and Bruce Smith. Dayton Triangles podcast and one of the most foremost historians on the Chicago Cardinals and Joe Ziemba who's written multiple books about the team. So we're going to use this game and our Orville Mulligan sports writer audio broadcast to tell the story of what happened in this game that happened 1924 November 9th. Let's first hear a little bit about how the visitors were doing coming into this mid-season NFL contest.
3: Hi, I'm Bruce Smith, host of Triangles, the life and times of an NFL original team, now streaming at Sports History Network. The 1924 Dayton Triangles were desperate to turn around after a 1923 season that saw them win only one game. Coming into the year, things looked up. After a rainout on the road at Akron, the Triangles opened at home against the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, winning 19-7. to Then going on the road on the 12th of October to beat the Buffalo Bisons in a hard-fought 7-0 contest.
0: Thanks, Bruce. And Josie, what was going on with the Cardinals at this time in 1924?
4: Well, Darren, as the Chicago Cardinals prepared for the big upcoming battle with the visiting Daytona Triangles back in 1924, the team's mood was rather somber. Because after entering the 1924 season with high expectations, the club was now mired in a bothersome three-game losing streak. Losing was bad enough, but dropping three straight due to a woeful offense was quite surprising after all the cardinals were led by the talented triple-threat quarterback of John Paddy Driscoll a wonderful athlete who could hurt his opponents in a number of ways on the football field driscoll was a swift and evasive uh, runner who was once praised by the new york times in a rather eloquent description that said sometimes driscoll skins around like a fox trotter and then again he was wiggling away from somebody with the graceful movements of an egyptian dancer it is doubtful if there is a sheriff anywhere around here that could catch him. But during that three-game losing streak prior to the Dayton game, Driscoll, as well as his teammates, uh, had been held in check. First, the Cardinals fell to the Chicago Bears' 6-zip, then dropped a 6-3 to three thriller to the Hammond Pros. And then finally, the Milwaukee Badgers managed to sneak past the Cardinals 17-8, to eight, thanks to a large part to a 96 up. Uh, Interception returned by Jimmy Councilman, of course, who would one day be the head coach of the championship Cardinals team. But back in 1924, all the team could manage was 11 points in three games. So surely the Cardinals offense could do a lot better.
0: All right, Bruce, you told us how the triangle started off really hot with those uh, early season wins. How were they the games right before this game that happened on November 9th?
3: The 19th of October saw the Triangles travel to Rock Island to play their foes the Independents. The Independents, paced by the running of Jim Thorpe, managed to shut the Triangles out 20 to nothing. After the game, Carl Stork fired two of the players, former Rock Island Independents, who he felt had gone too easy on the competition. The following week, the triangles were bitten by the injury bug, and they failed to hold an early lead, losing to the Columbus Tigers 17-6. Then things really fell off the wheels on the 2nd of November at Cleveland, where the Bulldogs ran over them 35 to nothing. Limping into their November 9th game against the Chicago Cardinals, Head coach Carl Stork and player coach Hack Abbott knew they had to stop Patty Driscoll.
0: All right. And Joe, what were the Cardinals thinking going in with this big game with
4: Dayton? So they were saddled with that troubling two and three record prior to the Dayton match, and the Cardinals were at least injury free, according to the Chicago Herald American which indicated that the Cards would continue to pursue the once-feared aerial game. The paper said stress has been placed upon the passing attack by the Cardinals in a series of new combinations featuring Patty Driscoll, Johnny Hurlbut, who was a former Chicago Maroon player, and Bill McElwain, the 1923 captain at Northwestern, will be put into execution. The Herald also mentioned that a highlight of the contest might possibly be the inclusion of four former Northwestern stars in the Cardinals' backfield, all at the same time, which would include Driscoll, McElwain, DiStefano, and Kaler. Meanwhile, the Chicago Tribune predicted that the Cardinals would unleash a number of new plays on the famous Buckeye 11, which has overpowered some of the best teams in the circuit. And then protecting the Cardinals' line would be the notorious Gob Buckeye, a 260-pound behemoth who also played professional baseball, perennial stalwart Fred Gillies, and a Chicago cop, Wills Brennan. That said Brennan was a full-time Chicago policeman while he played for the Cardinals. So if the club could hold the dangerous Dayton offense at bay, perhaps the recent losing skid would be history. The Chicago Tribune added, Captain Driscoll and his co-workers have had the breaks against them. But the Southsiders expect to gain much of the ground they have lost in the National Pro Football League championship race. But the Moline Dispatch caution, Dayton's Ford wall is rated one of the best in the National Circuit. But the Moline, Illinois Dispatch caution, Dayton's forward wall is rated one of the strongest in the Circuit. Manager Chris O'Brien of the Cardinals had assembled a tough line, a quick backfield, and a solid game plan for the Dayton Triangles. But would it be enough to topple the visitors and regain momentum moving into the final half of the NFL season? If the Cardinals could contain Dayton, maybe, just maybe, they could knock off that three-game losing streak. Sunday
5: afternoon in Chicago, though still a bit nippy out here, so bundle up if you're going out. Fans of the Gridiron game will certainly enjoy the prospect of a scintillating National Football League match here today. The Dayton Triangles come to town on a three-game losing streak, including last week's 35-0 defeat in Cleveland.
4: Cardinal starting backfield was well-known to Chicago-area football fans. Besides Driscoll at quarterback, John Hurlbert, a 26-year-old from the University of Chicago, was at right half. Bill McElwain, from Northwestern, was the left half. And, and Bob Kaler, another Northwestern grad, was the starting fullback at the ripe old age of 30 years old. Prior to the game with the triangles, it was rumored that the Cardinals were going to rely more on an aerial game rather than a rushing attack. That all changed, however, when Patty Driscoll ran the opening kickoff back 40 yards to provide the Cardinals with excellent field position. And there's the kickoff.
1: At Chicago's Comiskey Park, the Dayton Triangles of the burgeoning professional National Football League came to town to face the Chicago Cardinals' football 11.
4: Following Driscoll's long return on the opening kickoff, long runs by Bob Kaler and Petty Driscoll himself set the Cardinals up deep into Dayton territory. And there's the kickoff.
1: At Chicago's Comiskey Park, the Dayton Triangles of the burgeoning professional National Football League came to town to face the Chicago Cardinals Football eleven. Patty Driscoll and the Cardinals would soon enough unleash an aerial assault of magnitude rarely seen, but began by marching downfield with a series of long runs.
5: Stopping Hurlburt after two yards there was the best defensive play yet by Dayton, who have already given up runs of 18, 20, and 25 yards in the first drive of this game. Ball on the 35, and this time Chicago's coming out in the single wing with Anderson at the extreme right. But now, it's Hurlburt who gets the ball, and he's broken through the middle. The 25, the 20, the 15, they won't catch him, and he is in for the touchdown. Six to nothing, Cardinals.
4: Hurlbert burst through off the left tackle to score the first touchdown of the game from the 5-yard line. When Driscoll added the extra point on a drop kick, the score in the first quarter was 7 to 0 in favor of the Cardinals. In the second quarter, the Cardinals' rushing attack was on display once again. Hurlbert started things off in the second period by intercepting a pass to set up the Cardinals' offense. And from there, Hurlbert Bob Kaler and Patty Driscoll again took the ball downfield to set up the second touchdown of the day for the Cardinals. And this time it was brought in by Fred DiStefano, a recent addition to the team. Cardinals line up on the two-yard line. There's no telling
5: from where the attack will come. Left, center, right. Chicago has exploited all areas of this line already, and we're just halfway through quarter two. It's DiStefano with the ball, driving off the right tackle, and touchdown Cardinals! This
4: Cardinals line just had... DiStefano was a graduate of Northwestern, but he had been around a while, also attending Princeton and Columbia. He was about 195 pounds from his halfback position, A really a native of the area coming from Coal City, Illinois. He ended up playing 10 games in 1924 and 1925 for the Cardinals, but this was believed to be his first touchdown that took place on this game on November 9, 1924 against Dayton. Although Driscoll missed the extra point kick following the Stefano touchdown, he more than made up for that later in the second period by booting a drop-kick field goal from the 35-yard line, which made the score now 16-0 in favor of the Cardinals at the end of the first half. The third quarter was, in all honesty, quite boring as neither team was able to mount much offense and spent the entire stanza punting the ball back to each other. Driscoll rested during the third period for the Cardinals, but returned for the final period and helped the Cardinals to still another touchdown.
1: The early fireworks in the game led to frustrating quietude. Punt was answered by punt, and neither running nor passing worked for the cards in the third quarter. Dayton earned a second opportunity to score
5: A fine with ball A couple yards and he's wrapped up No! He gets away Still on his feet And taken down after a gain of 24 yards All due to that Houdini-like escape Hartlow takes a snap Rolls out and he's going to try the downfield pass. Complete! Again, it's Hafine. Hafine with the catch and he's immediately tackled by a swarm of Chicago defenders at the 23. And now the triangles are putting together an impressive drive.
1: But Fortune was no ally of Dayton on this Sunday.
5: Hartlow takes it all for himself here. He goes half and he's lost the ball! There's a big pile-up at around the 20. It looks as though every man on both sides is in that hill of bodies. The referee and line judge are both attempting to clear the scene. And it appears to be... Yes! They're calling it a Chicago recovery. Chicago Cardinals ball. And the Daytona attack is vanquished.
4: Got Buckeye, a six foot, 260-pounder. And Fred Gillies, a six foot three, 220-pound tackle from Cornell, were able to not only provide blocking for the running offense, but in the fourth quarter thwarted the Dayton attack on the five-yard line and the Cardinals took over on downs. It's really interesting that both Brennan and Buckeye, neither of them attended college. Buckeye was, of course, a major league pitcher, as we mentioned earlier, and Brennan was content to be a full-time Chicago policeman.
1: As lopsided as the game became, Driscoll and his Cardinals were not finished enthralling the crowd. It was
4: a play that was! If any of the 2,000
5: here at Comiskey Park today had any misgivings about the price of a ticket for this game, well, that play alone was worth the price of admission. They'll be telling friends and family about that forward pass from Driscoll for years to come. That ball must have sailed a good 40 yards before Mick Elway even had to catch it. Incredible!
4: On that final drive in the fourth quarter, Driscoll changed tactics and moved downfield quickly after a long pass to Fred DiStefano. And then from the 35-yard line, he connected with Carl Hanke, graduate of Minnesota, six foot, 190 190-pound end, who had previously played with the Chicago Bears and the Hammond team in the early NFL. And that completed the scoring for the Cardinals as the team enjoyed ending their losing streak with a 23-0 win over the Dayton Triangles. It should be noted that the tough Cardinals defensive line, composed primarily of Wills Brennan, a six-foot, 214-pound Chicagoan, following the game, all praise was heaped on Patty Driscoll, and rightly so. The Green Bay Press-Gazette wrote, Having suffered three successive defeats, the Warriors led by Petty Driscoll were in a desperate mood and they were not in the least backward in walloping the Ohioans 23-0. to While even the Dayton Daily News praised Driscoll saying he tore off big gains at will and played a bang-up defensive game.
0: Well, this concludes our game th- coverage of the 1924 November 9th game, Dayton Triangles 0, Chicago Cardinals 23. Uh, wasn't the greatest games of all time, but they had some great stars like Patty Driscoll and some of the others that were discussed by Josie Emba, our Orville Mulligan crew, and by Bruce Smith of the Dayton Triangles podcast. Make sure you check out all those podcasts. First of all, Orville Mulligan is on Sports History Network. When Football was Football with Josie Emba on the Chicago Cardinals, Chicago Bears. You can find that here on Sports History Network. And Bruce Smith and his Dayton Triangles podcast, you can find those here. And of course, you have all our other football podcasts and all of our other great sports podcasts as well here on Sports History Network. Thank you for joining us this little bit of a trip back through history in a game that uh, maybe many have forgotten about. But we have the experts that will help help you remember that football was a great game no matter what era it was played and it's always a good day when you can watch a football game so on behalf of arnie chapman the football history dude and myself and the rest of us here at sports history network we thank you for joining us here for this little glimpse of great football history great sports history and great americana so till tomorrow everybody have a great sports history day
4: love that stuff
0: You have just listened to Orville Mulligan, Sports Writer, an audio drama podcast from Number 80 Productions and the Sports History Network. Episode script and story by Oz Davis and Darren Hayes. Research by Joe Ziemba, Jennifer Taylor Hall, and Chris Willis. Orville Mulligan, Sports Writer stars Doug Fye, Ilana Fye, and Eric Bodwell. This episode co-stars in Order of Appearance, John Roberts, Forrest Hartle, Vernon Poitras, Joe Gallegos. Mindy Grossberg, Cademan Holland, Scott Leet, Mike Backus, Aubriana Lavallee, and Don MacGyver. Directing by Eric Bodwell. Sound recording and editing by Don MacGyver. The theme song of Orville Mulligan's sportswriter is Dayton Triangle's Rag and was arranged and performed by Bruce Smith additional music provided by David Liso of dynamo stairs and Mike Monroe and Gene Monroe with Cletus train music Orville Mulligan sports writer is produced by Darren Hayes and Oz Davis series concept by Darren Hayes keep your dial locked to this podcast station for the next exciting episode of Orville Mulligan sports writer coming soon